Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. We're starting a brand new series today entitled, What Jesus Did. What did Jesus really do? You know, when I was a, a kid, I had this bracelet, right, that said WWJD, and it was all the rage. In fact, we ordered some because I wanted to have it like coming out of the first beginning of the series, but Amazon screwed up and they didn't get here in time. So next week I'll have my WWJD bracelet on, but I, I would wear that thing just religiously and it was, what would Jesus do? That was always the question. So, so when, when something would come up, the question was like, well, what would Jesus do about this, right? So I can remember that, but as I got older, I began to understand that the only way we can really answer that question of what would Jesus do, we have to know what did Jesus do, <laughs> right? And, and not just what he said, because that's obviously incredibly important, but what did the fruit, his actions, how he met people, his interactions with everybody, what did that look like? And so this series because I want to answer that question. I want to be able, when someone says, well, what would Jesus do about this, Jaya? I want to be able to really answer that. And I, I know that you do too. So it's really important to know what he did first. Are you with me? I can remember being in college. And um, I'll never forget this. I was at a like, a like a costume party. You know what I mean? Dress up and you're in a costume, being a character. I don't know, I was probably 18 or 19. And I remember I was at this costume party at college, and one of my buddies, his name's Ben, Ben walked in, and he had like this suit on from like the 1940s, he had his hair slicked back, you know, and he was walking around, and he's doing this whole face thing and everything, and, and he walked up to me, and, and, and I said, all right, man, well, who are you? Like, who are you dressed up like? And he goes, well... I'm Robert De Niro from Godfather. And I said, oh, really? I go, well, you, I guess that makes sense now. You got the, the right era for your suit and everything. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm Robert. De and he was doing, you know, De Niro does that thing with his mouth. You know, I, I can't do it. I'm sorry. I'm terrible with impressions. But he was kind of doing that with his mouth. I'm like, all right, Robert De Niro from Godfather. And he goes, yeah. And, I, and, and, and all night I'm going to walk around and, and, and like impersonate him. At, at, at this party, and it's just going to be awesome. I said, okay, well, how are you going to do that? He's like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to quote, I'm going to do his voice and like, and like imitate him, right? I said, all right, man, well, what do you got? He goes, okay, now watch this. Here we go. Here's De Niro and Godfather. I go, okay. He goes, say hello to my little friend. <laughs> and I said, oh, bro, Ben, I, uh, I don't think that's De Niro. I said, no, he's like, yes, it is. It's De Niro. And I said, well, do it one more time. He said, say hello to my little friend. And I'm like, so are you holding a machine? Yeah, this is a gun, like a gangster. And we're like, say hello, Godfather. Say hello to my little friend. And I said, man, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. But that's not De Niro, man. That's, that's Al Pacino and Scarface. It's not, not even the same. You're not, I mean, He's like, no, 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 I, I, this, is, this is Godfather. I go, I go, man, I don't, 
I gotta be honest with you, I don't really know much about either of these movies, but if I've been watching movies as an American for a minute here, and everybody knows that Say Hello to My Little Friend is Al Pacino in Scarface. Like, you're wanting to be a movie from the 1940s. That movie was shot in the 1980s. And that accent you're doing, I'm actually, like, I've lived in Miami for five years. My whole family lives in Miami. That accent you're doing is is not an Italian-American accent. It's a a really bad Cuban-American. He's like, He's like, no, this, this, this is a Italian. I'm like, no, man, that's, that's a really, really bad Cuban-American. It's not even kind of close. He's like, I'll never forget what you said. He goes, JF, well, this is my version of Robert De Niro and the Godfather. And he just like walked off, you know? And I'm like, okay, man. So you know what happened? The rest of the night, I saw him around the party and he would be like interacting with people. And I, and I could see him doing the, 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 the wrong De Niro to people. And I would see people like, like doing the same thing I did. Like that's not like the whole time. And finally at the end of the night, he came back around. He was just like, you know what, JF? I was like, yeah. He's like, you were right. You were right. It wasn't De Niro. You're right. Al Pacino from this. Yeah, I, I screwed that up the whole time. You were right. I was doing my own version, which wasn't right the entire time, but I thought it was. I, in fact, I thought that that was, the, that was the character all this time, all these years. And you know, from time to time, we as believers can fall victim of this, where we call ourselves Christians, right? We have the Jesus follower title and t-shirt. In fact, we kind of look like him, Right? We, we might even say some of the right things. We, we may even quote him. But the set of actions that we present to the world as a version of the love of Jesus Christ, the world says, I, mm, I don't think that that's the right version of the love of Jesus. <laughs> How we react to situations. Maybe it's conflict. Maybe it's stuff that we see happening in our nation. The way we respond, our version is, well, I'm presenting the love of Christ. And the world, or even non-believers go, you know what, I don't even want that Jesus stuff, but I, I'm pretty sure that's not Jesus. You know what I'm talking about? And, and so it's so important as we start this new series, if we're going to be able to answer the question of what would he do It's important to know exactly what he did. And Jesus was a revolutionary. He was counterculture. The way he presented his love, it ruffled the religious people's feathers. It was a whole deal here. And so in this series, we're going to look at specific instances recorded that we read in the Bible that weren't just Jesus' teachings, but also his interactions. And I believe that we can really learn a lot about who he was and what he called us to do. And so today, I want to start with the story with Jesus and the Samaritan woman, or the woman at the well. Maybe you're more familiar with that title. But before we dive into this story, there's something that you should be very clear about concerning God and his word. Christine Kane, who's like, one of my favorite preachers. She's awesome. She said it like this, and I 100% agree with her. She said, no one dignifies, affirms, and celebrates women like the God 
of the Bible. And I 100% agree with that. In fact, I'll take it a step further. I heard a mentor say to me, and it resonated with me. He said, you can tell how much of the heart of God and the mind of Christ is actually in a person by how they treat women and children. Whoa, right? This is who Jesus was. Affirming women, affirming children, celebrating who they were in an ancient culture. And I believe that statement with my whole heart. Scripture supports it, and Jesus' actions in this story confirm it. And so if you have your Bibles, go to John chapter 4, John chapter 4, starting in verse 1, as we talk about what Jesus did in this story with a Samaritan woman. Scripture says, Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John. Although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. And I, I want to stop right there because this isn't one of my points today, but it's something really important for you to understand as a Christian. The Pharisees were a people who were devoted to God's law. They, they had given their entire lives, their identity to God's law, but they didn't understand that God had sent Jesus to be the demonstration and the display of the entirety of the law and the heart behind it. And you need to know, the more you live your life, the more you practice the actual way that the Bible tells us Jesus did his life and what he did, the more you do that, the more peop the, the, the people that struggle with this spirit that the Pharisees had on them, this religious spirit on them that, that literally consumed them, when, when, when you're actually doing what the Bible says Jesus did, I'm telling you right now, these types of people will come after you in the same way they did Jesus. By comparing you, by condemning you, by criticizing you. Don't be shocked by this, but expect it. All right? So I just wanted to say all of that as we continue to read this story. Let's go to verse 3. So he, being Jesus, left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to, underline had to, because we'll come back to that. In fact, there it is right there. Had to, says he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. Now, let me give you a little bit of context here to what we just read because that's really, really important. When you go back to verse 4, Scripture says, Jesus, now he had to go through Samaria. Now, as we're going to continue the story, we know that he had to because he had an assignment. But technically, I want you to know, he did not have to go through Samaria. In fact, it was discouraged as a Jew to go through 
Samaria. Why? Because in that culture, the Samaritans were looked down on. They were unclean, if you were. They were the minority group. They were second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth class when it came to the Jews. And so whenever Jews were traveling from the south, which was, we just read, Judea, and they were headed north to Galilee, that was the route they were on, Jewish people, to get from the south to the north, they would literally cross the Jordan River, and I wish I had a map, and they would literally, if you're looking this way, they would literally go up and around and come back down to Galilee. They would take this massive detour, double, triple the time in some, in some aspects, so they could 100% avoid this dirty place called Samaria. But scripture says Jesus had had to go to Samaria. Now, that's problematic right there in that context. More of this context is he's meeting a female minority that's looked down on at a place that he's not even supposed to be at. In fact, the significance is noon of, of noon the midday hour is really important because in that ancient custom, in that culture, the women of the town would always meet at the well in the morning. So for her being there at noon means that her own group of women <laughs> had kicked her out. So not only was she already unclean, according to the Jews, she was now an outcast within her own community. And scripture says, Jesus had to. And what did he have to do? He had to meet this woman right where she was at. And that's the first point I have for you today. I want to give you a few actions that we can take today that line up with what Jesus did and how he wants us to best represent him accurately. And that's the first point. Meet people where they are. Meet people where they are. Jesus went out of his way to meet this woman right where she was. Yes, in location, but even more so in her mindset. Where she was on her own spiritual journey. And God calls us to do this in the same exact way. He meets her where she's at to simply have a conversation. Jesus didn't go to look down on her for being a female minority. No, he went to her watering hole. <laughs> he went to her space during the time he would know that she would be there. And he went to talk to her. And when she came in his direction, he didn't start quote, you know, shouting scriptures at her. He didn't set up a, a stage and put his worship band together and, and start singing at the top of his lungs and uninvited in a neighborhood that wasn't his. No, he humbly, quietly, alone, to the point where his disciples aren't even with him. It almost implies that he was afraid that his own disciples may cause a scene. So he says, no, go. I'm gonna quietly, humbly enter into somebody else's space for a meeting to simply have a conversation. And that is what Jesus is calling me to do today. It's what he's calling his followers 
to do today to meet people where they're at humbly, respectfully, quietly, emulating his heart and who he really is. He went to her. The question I pose today is, what if we didn't just invite people to church? Now, I want to clear something up. I want everybody in this house all the time. Okay? I want you tuning in online. I, like, this is like my, one of my favorite places to be. I, I love the, I love, this is like, this is, this is the, like the, the pinnacle. For, I'm like, yes, this is awesome. But, but the question I have, what if we didn't just invite people to church, but we actually became the church and met people where they were at first and foremost? I'm telling you, I, so many people that I know who've come to Christ, I thank God that it's happened at altars like this. And, and, and God's been God's an amazing, with me personally at altars like this and, and through my family. And we will always do that. We'll always promote it and support it. But man, I know so many people who have come to Christ because a follower of Jesus came to them, invested in their life, right where they were at, not condemning, not saying all the bad things you're doing wrong, listening, and then simply being the light of Christ and going to the scriptures in a humble way to present the gospel. This is who Jesus was, and, and, and he is, and he models it for us in this. He goes to her. So here, here he is. He's sitting at this scandalous place, at this scandalous time, and he's gone out of his way to be there for her. John 4, verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. That's the next thing I believe that we can learn from Jesus' actions here. Number one, meet people where they are. Number two, Make the person more important than the imposition. Take, take a second and write that down. Make the person more important than the imposition. You're like, what's an imposition? The burden. The put out. My great-grandfather uh, came from the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee Backwoods, man. Got some Tennessee people in the house? I just heard a shout. <laughs> I went to college. I love Tennessee. Um, but <clears throat> he grew up in a, in a rowdy family. Rowdy family. The opposite of Christian. And uh, at 19, he contracted tuberculosis, which in that day, the turn of the century, was a, a death sentence. There, there was no hope. And it, it was a terrible way to die. Terrible terrible way to die. 19, he contracts this. And his family uh, sent him to the Batavia Centorium in DuPage, Illinois. This, this was a, a sanit by the way, a sanatorium uh, at the turn of the century was essentially a, a hospice, if you will. They would send people with, with uh, tuberculosis to these, these spots where they could, they could isolate them, they could keep them all, you know, from it spreading. Tuberculosis is very, it spreads very rapidly. They'd keep them 
you know, in this space and whatever treatment they had just to like ease the pain, they would, so my grandfather at 19, his family sends him to another state because he's sick. And they send him to the sanatorium and I, I talked to my dad last night about it just to make, I want to make, make sure I have all the facts right, you know, and they said that my grandfather, because he was in so much pain, he would drink a gallon of whiskey every single day. Now I said, Dad, come on. Gallon? He was like, gallon. I, I confirmed it with you. It was a, every single, just to, just to he, he wasn't, he didn't, he didn't even drink, he wasn't a drinker at all. It's just, that's all, that's all he had. And so he was hammered all day long, all the time, just so he could deal with the pain. Not a believer, not a follower of Jesus in any way. In fact, he didn't want any of it. And a group of elderly Christian women from the Nazarene church down the street would come every single day, about five or six of them, every single day to that sanatorium. Not to, not to lead a worship service or even yell and scream and cause a scene. And they would just come and they would silently serve whoever needed to be served in the sanatorium. Every day. Was it an imposition? Absolutely. Were they risking their lives? Oh my goodness, you think COVID's bad. <laughs> Tuberculosis? I'm telling you. Were they risking? Absolutely. Were, 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 were their family upset that they were going? Of course they were. But these women every day would come and they would serve and then they would quietly walk, walk all throughout that facility praying the blood of Christ, praying for these people that were sick in this room. And finally one day, my great-grandfather was so intrigued by this group of women that, who were there every single day that he wanted to know, who are they? So they said, oh, this is a group, there's some older women from the church down the street. What are they doing? Have you, ever, have you ever had an interaction like this before? What are they doing here? Oh, they're just here to serve, and I think they, they might actually be walking around praying for you guys. Are you serious? Yeah. Well, I think I might want to talk with them. And so what happened? You can, the, the writing's on the wall. These women began to sit with my grandfather every single day. And my, my, my great-grandfather and my grandfather tells my dad, who told me yesterday, that it was very peaceful and pleasant and loving. And he said, son, much like when Jesus interacts with the woman at the well. <laughs> I was like, well, then I'm going to use that tomorrow. And you know what happened? Through a relationship. It wasn't overnight. It wasn't like, Go, go to the website and we'll be there, be there at 11 o'clock and we can bring, make sure you take a shower and get there. Not that. Which I'm not opposed to that either. That's one way of doing it. But this way of doing it is what changed my entire family's life. I stand here today because of a group of senior citizens who went to my dying grandfather's bedside. But you know what? The story doesn't end right there. Because after several weeks of being in a relationship, risking their lives, being imposed upon, they said, we've got this old 
traveling, healing preacher that's coming to our church down the street. You see, I just want to make sure I'm not, I'm not knocking the gathering whatsoever. But the way he got to the gathering was through this relationship of someone meeting them right where they were at and then focusing on the person and not the impositions. And through this process, my grandfather dying says, yes, and, 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 and he said, how can I get there? And, and they said, we'll bring, we'll bring a little buggy. So they, they loaded my dying great-grandfather on a buggy and pushed him down to that old little tiny Nazarene church down the street. And that old he, that, that preacher, laid his hands on my great-grandfather and my dad confirmed it and my grandfather confirmed it. I said, say it again, dad. Say it, I said, say it again. He said he laid his hands on my... And instantaneously, the Spirit of God hit my great-grandfather and he was one 100% healed, just like that. So he got out of that buggy, jumping and screaming. This, is, this was not a Christian whatsoever. Tuberculosis is totally gone. He goes back to that sanatorium. He had a, my, my dad said he had about eight jugs of whiskey by his bed. He dumped them all down the drain. He never drank again. He went on to be a, 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 an evangelist, a pastor, and... What came out of him? Anyone familiar with Teen Challenge? What came out of that was David Wilkerson. What came out of that was Teen Challenge, which has gone all over the world as a rehabilitation center, a Jesus-centered rehab center that came out of that interaction with my great-grandfather. That ministry came out of that. Times Square Church, you name it. What's that all about? Willing to meet someone where they were at. Not being imposed, but rather focusing on the person. And this is exactly what Jesus does here. He couldn't care less what the Pharisees had to think about it. He wasn't worried what Twitter was going to say in the morning. He didn't care about his approval ratings. He didn't care about any of that. He had an assignment with a desperate woman who needed him, and she received him through the way that he presented his love for her. He communicated that your life matters. Your life is one of purpose. This is exactly what he does here. This is another beautiful picture of Jesus leaving the 99 to go after the one. Let's pick up the text. John 4, verse 10, Jesus answers her. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that seeks after you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? You see, Jesus is talking about spiritual things and and she isn't, She isn't following exactly what he's talking about. She's trying to connect to what he's saying to the natural. Verse 13, Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, 
give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. So here she still thinks he's, he's talking about natural water. But then he begins to speak to her life. But the way he does this is, is not in a condemning way, but it is a way. And I feel like this is a strategy that I'm, I'm trying to apply to my own life. And I think there's some takeaway here because it's Jesus doing it. Verse 16, he told her, go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said, what you have just said is quite true. But watch this. Watch her response now. Watch, because here's the thing. She starts to reveal how she's been hurt by people that flow in similar gifts. Verse 19. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Me meaning I have, I have a few reps with people like you. Like, I've, I've circled this wagon before. I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worship on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Essentially what she's saying here is, yeah, people that talk about the same God that you're talking about, they usually come at me with everything I'm doing wrong. The, 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 the people that speak like you, the people that use God's name for whatever they're doing, yeah, uh, they tend to condemn me. They, they tend to make me feel unworthy. And so, so Jesus takes that moment to speak life into her and really to tell her that both his kind and her kind can walk in the same type of worship that God desires. He, he's, he's, he's saying, we're going to read it here. No, 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 no. We're, we're coming together on this thing. Look what it says. Verse 21. Woman, Jesus replied. Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews. So he just, he lays it out. Sometimes you, I mean, you can't just dance around everything. So he says, this is, this is the reality. But then look what he says. Yet a time is coming and has now come where the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in truth. And that's really the next thought I have and point. First, meet people where they're at. Make people the mo most important. Excuse me, make, make the person more important than the imposition. And here's the third thought that I have. And that is operate in both spirit and truth. I want to read the last part of that passage one more time with this thought. Operate in both spirit and truth. It says, yet a time is coming and, how, and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in the truth. Part of what Jesus is saying here is that you'll never be a decent represent representative of the kingdom of God 
until you do both of these. You've got to have both. If you're really going to represent my kingdom, these have to be paired together. And so with that, the question is, this, the truth that Jesus is referring to here, well, what is it? Well, he speaks to this truth over and over throughout the Gospels. I can take you to one place in Matthew chapter 22, starting in verse 35. It says, one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with the question, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now watch verse 40. This is huge. All the law and the prophets, meaning all truth. All truth. All the law. In our, in our context here in, in the ancient world, like guys, like everything that you stand for and you practice and you teach, truth. And all of the, all of the law coming out of the prophet's mouth. A prophet was one who, who received actual information from God and spoke, they, were, they spoke God, God's word in real time. Do you, you see what I'm saying? So in my opinion, that, that, feels, that feels like truth to me, right? So, so Jesus is setting up. He says all, all of the law, all the prophets, all the truth, hang on these two commandments. So the question is, what is truth? Well, it's summarized, it's summarized, it's summarized in love. It's summarized in love. It has to be the operating system for doing anything in the Spirit. Uh, Jamie, is my cell phone right there? I've got a great illustration I can do right now. Just came, popped in my mind. Okay, so let me give you an example. I have this, uh, this iPhone here. In fact, uh, I'll show it to you. Uh, look at that. See that? It's got the, got, got the fam on there. That's the, put your fam on the wallpaper, okay? Uh, you got to do that. So I've got, I've got this, this iPhone here. And... I'll even do this for you. Look how many just apps I have. Look at this. This is kind of ridiculous, right? Well, what's cool about these apps is that they do a lot of cool stuff. I've got one that will get me from here to Chicago, and I don't even have to think about it. It just goes, turn left. It's this incredible thing, right? I've, I've got one that I can check my heart rate. I, there, I got one that my, my wife and kids are out of town right now, and uh, pray for me, by the way, because I'm trying to figure out what to eat. Uh, but I, 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 I had some leftovers, and I pulled up YouTube and watched uh, how to cook, you know, leftover hamburger meat. It was awesome, right? Yeah. It was just, it's really, really cool. I just love how all these cool apps and stuff. But here's the thing about, about my iPhone. Uh, there's an operating system inside of this device. And this one, because I have the iPhone 12, is iOS 14.3. Okay, I know that doesn't matter to you. The point is, there's an operating system in here. If I remove the operating system, all of these awesome apps don't work. They're worthless. And in the same way, Love, my friend, as the follower of Jesus. Now, I know there's people watching online or sitting here. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus yet, and you have a different operating system. You work from a different set of values. But as followers of Jesus, if we're really being obedient, 
Our operating system, which everything flows out of, is love, period. So our truth, when we're speaking the truth, it, 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 it's, it's, it's um, propelled by love, right? The conflict, the, the tough conversation that you have to have, right? If you're a follower of Jesus, that conversation, right? Love. And this, and this is where people that are turned off by religion, turned off by Christians, this is usually why. Because people who claim to have the bracelet and the t-shirt and the title, Christian, their operating system is, is corrupt. Sometimes intentionally, a lot of times unintentionally. Right? Paul, Paul confirms, I'm not, I'm just not like, this is, like, this comes from Jesus and Paul confirms it all throughout his letters. He, in, in 1 Corinthians, we remember, he said, you can't speak in, you, you can speak in the tongues of men and angels, but if you don't have love, you're nothing. Like symbols crashing, they, they make people cringe and they, they drive them away. Like you can, you can have the Robert De Niro like costume on, but if you're just going to do Al Pacino quotes all night, they're not going to believe you, right? And this translates over into, as Christians. <laughs> and by the way, if I'm ever pointing this way, I got six fingers pointing right back at me. Okay, so like I'm preaching this because this is stuff that I, that I struggle with from time to time that I've had to grow in, right? And so it's so important that our, like Pastor Jordan, man, I'm so grateful for what he said. Man, people are, people are watching us and they're more attracted to our fruit than when we have to say. And this is what Paul is saying here. In Ephesians 4, Paul's, he's talking about the church as a whole. And, and, and the different gifts that we all bring to the table as, as, as the hands and feet of Christ within the local church. And, 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 and God gives him this operating system of love, which is connected to the word unity. And, and so Paul's talking about what does it look like to operate in love, being unified in everything that we do. And then he drops this bomb that we need to hear today. Ephesians 4, verse 14, he says, then we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. He's talking about false teachers and false prophets. Verse 15, look at this. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him and who is the head that is Christ. From him the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up, underlining it again in love as each part does its work. And we go back to the story with Jesus and this meeting that he has. Jesus here, he's operating in the spirit and he's doing so with love as the driving force. Make no mistake about that. And in that moment, are you ready for the closer, the good news? Her eyes, her mind, the way she was processing and receiving that information, her heart softened and her eyes begin to open to what Jesus was really trying to communicate to her. Verse 25, the woman said, oh, I know, I 
know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. I am he. I am he. I am what you've been waiting for. I am he who the prophets spoke about. I am him. To operate as the Lord is calling us in the footsteps of Jesus. We are always to meet people where they are. Meet them where they're at. I'm not just talking about a physical location. I'm talking about meet them where they're at on their own journey of life. Be courteous, understanding, empathetic. Listen more than speak. I'm telling you, you have no idea how much you're communicating by simply shutting your mouth from time to time. You are communicating in so many ways the love and the heart of Jesus Christ. And he has these interactions all throughout the Gospels. And we're called to look, not just the t-shirt and the and the title, but by our actions and our fruit, we'll look more like him. Yeah. You know what it takes? It takes me as one of his followers to not just read what he said, not just see what he did, but meditate on those things. Yeah. And then ask the Lord to reveal his heart to the dark places of my own heart. That takes humility. And that's hard for me. I'm not going to like, I don't got this figured out. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a work in progress just like you are. But the more, the more that we can adopt and absorb the heart of Christ, the greater impact we can make for him in this neighborhood, in this community, in this county. Go to where they are. If those Nazarene sisters wouldn't have gone to my great-grand, I wouldn't be here today. There would be no teen challenge. There would be no, none of that stuff. Make the person more important than the imposition. Operate in both spirit and truth. And here's the fourth one, and I'm gonna pray for you. I've gone a little bit long. Number four, always point people to the Messiah. Always Point people to the Messiah. Don't ever make ministry and what God has called you to do about you. And always be very leery of anyone who makes it about them. The work of the Holy Spirit will always point everyone to Jesus. So I encourage you today. This is a radical story. And I just, I like, here's the surface. I kind of just, you know what I mean? There's so much depth. There's so much more here. I encourage you, go home tonight and, stu and study the story for yourself. Meditate on it. 
Read his words and then put yourself in that position. Maybe you want to climb into the shoes of that, of that woman. Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I can actually relate to her. <laughs> like, like, like Jesus, that's what Jesus did in my life. Like he, he came to me, like, like he chased me down, like he met me where I was at, at my worst moment, yeah. right? Th th this idea, see, 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 if religion gets inside of you, religion will start trying to lie to you and get you to believe that you had something to do with your salvation. <laughs> oh yeah, come to my thing. And, and, and then you're going to experience everything that I experience, and just maybe you'll get to have what I have. It's absurd, man. It's like, like we did anything to deserve what Jesus did for us. It's crazy. And if we can keep that spirit and emulate his heart, his character, his fruit, his actions, you, wanna, you, you talk about revival. I, I, I keep hearing people online shouting, we want revival. I'm for it, Right? But man, we, we got we to work on ourselves and let it start within our own hearts as the body of Christ. And then you, you, if we start practicing this, I'm telling you, revival is going to sweep across this land. But man, <laughs> there's parts of, of our body who, who, who are doing things that are outside of the fruit of Christ. And it breaks my heart. I'm just saying that right now. But we have his words. We have his fruit. And now we have to obey and model it and repent when we need to repent, which I got to every single day because I'm human and I'm broken and I've got, I got stuff that I got to always uh, uh, lay at the foot of the cross, right? We all do. We're all broken. Paul even confirms this. Paul talks about, man, I got to literally wake up, and I'm paraphrasing, I got to die to myself every single day, that my flesh, there, there's things that I do that I don't want to do. There, there, there's things that I want to do that I, I, I don't do and I should be doing, right? Man, I've, I've played that out in my head so many times. It's like, I got to be doing this. How do we do that? We, we stop, we humble ourselves, and we say, Holy Spirit, reveal to me. And once again, thank you for doing something for me that I could never do for myself. Come on, bow your heads online here. Let me pray for you. We're just getting started. I wonder today, this first Sunday, 2021, you're here. Maybe you're watching online. And you say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to I accept this Jesus you're talking about, this story. I'm ready to give my life to Christ. I, I feel like in this moment, or maybe it's been a series of events. Maybe it's been months. Maybe it's taken all of 2020 for this moment right here that you're, you're, you're finally ready because Jesus, he came to you in your apartment when you've been alone for nine months. And you sensed it for all those months. And the enemies lied to you and said, yeah, no, you got to actually clean yourself up and drive over to C-Fan and, and make sure that you're put together because those people over there, which is the most absurd thing ever, this house is a house of love. But the enemy will do anything that he can to stop you 
from giving your life to Christ. And, and, you, and now, now, all these months later, like you realize that that's what was happening inside, that the spirit of Christ was meeting you in between your shifts at work, in the break room, on your walks. You, you, you were meeting with a close loved one or a friend who you admire, who says that they're a believer. And, and, and the whole time, they had been ministering to you the whole time. And, and now, you're, now you're just now realizing that that's exactly what they were doing. And you say, man, I want to be like her. I want my life to look more like his. What is that, my friend? That's the spirit of Christ living in these brothers and sisters. And you can have that. And that's what we want for you. We want you to start this year following Jesus and then growing in everything that he has for you. If you're in this auditorium right now, we're going to pray. If you're watching online, you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm, I'm saying yes to him. He has met me where I'm at. And I'm ready to receive. On the count of three, if you're in this auditorium, Slip your hand up when I hit three. If you're watching online in your man cave, you can raise your hand too, all right? One, two, three. Just pop your hand up and say, that's what I want. Yeah, hands here in the auditorium. Thank you. I see your hand. Anybody else? Raise it real high. You're on your walk down by the waterfront. Stick your hand up in the rain. I'm telling you, he's, he's, he's right with you right now, wherever you're at. Jesus, I pray for my friends that are watching right now. I pray, God, those that are saying yes to, do, to you, do that right now. Lord, come into my life. Thank you for meeting me right where I'm at. Thank you that you've been chasing after me. Thank you, you that, that, that the story you told of the father and the wayward son, the prodigal, how he ran out to me. That is the picture of the love of the father for me. And I'm just now beginning to wrap my mind around that and, and receive that. So come into my life. I repent of my sin. We're all, we've all fallen short of the glory of God through sin in our life. We've all made mistakes we all confess sin and we repent in Jesus' name. Now come in, Lord God. Begin to speak to me, heal me, guide me, direct me. Make me look like you in Jesus' name. And God, I pray another prayer for myself, starting with me. Starting with me. Lord, may my life be one of fruit and not just words. God, I pray for every friend in this auditorium right now, every person watching online who says, I'm a Jesus person. I'm a follower of Christ. God, I pray that they would seek your face and your ways and your voice in a new way in 2021. We want to do specifically what you want us to do, Holy Spirit. May our actions actually represent your love so that those, Scripture talks about that, that they'll come to Christ through the way we love each other. God, I pray that we would truly embrace the reality that love is our operating system. Everything we do, all truth, all knowledge, all prophesying, all of it comes out of a place of love. And so, Lord Jesus, we just embrace that right now. God, if there's areas of our lives, including my own life, where I got I to I uh, rebuke arrogance or pride or any of that stuff or entitlement, God, we rebuke all of that in Jesus' name. Holy Spirit, do something in my heart right now in Jesus' name. Do something for my sister watching online right now, my brother. God, we thank you that you're moving. And I pray that we would just get in line with what you're doing. We give you this time together. Bless my friends, my brothers and sisters as we start this 21 days of prayer of fasting in the morning. God. Speak to us, move. We want revival. We want revival. We want to see America changed by the power of Christ. Let it start with inside of us. Let it start within our families. Let it start within our own neighborhood right here. We have so much to do right here in this community, Lord God. May it flow out of this place. 
In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.